1: I'm so in love with you, whatever you want to do, is all will qualify as taking one substantial step towards becoming one of us or not. But I, I must tell you that um, the morning after a debacle of a season opener for your Golden Gophers, the one thing that is stuck in my craw is not the poorest defense. It is not the junior high level special teams, it was not the inability to seize the moment at a time where, let's just be honest, our sports team is more our sports scene is more than a little vulnerable. It's none of those things. What is stuck in my craw more than all of those put together is Vince Vaughn Vince Vaughn, celebrity picker I still can't get over it It's mind-blowing Of all the people Who allegedly, I assume, are supposed to represent Us, the state of Minnesota, whatever The best they can do is Vince bleeping Vaughn Who spent, I think, eight minutes here Maybe nine I mean, I was born here, but so what? How is that possible? And the fact that it bugs me so much, does that mean I'm moving closer to one of us status? Something so relatively meaningless. I want you today via the Bradshaw and Bryan inbox, and we have plenty of time to do this because it's a two-hour edition today. Vikings are off this week. (laughs) Insert your own joke on that. They were, of course... One would suggest off last week as well. I want you to send to the Bradshaw Bryan inbox, com all of the individuals, all of them, I don't even think two hours is enough time to go through the list, who would have been better qualified and presumably available to be the celebrity picker representing Minnesota than Vince Vaughn. It's unbelievable. I'll start. I'll give you a few names right off the top. One of Us Hollywood actor guy would have been a better choice. Jimmy Jam would have been a better choice. Terry Lewis. Chad Hartman. And I'm not kidding. Representing his dad, Sid, would have been a better choice. Joel Matori would have been a better choice. And um, I'm looking at a list of what's called celebrity ranker on famous people from Minnesota. Is this why ESPN did what they did? Because it's called Ranker.com, and they list famous people from Minnesota. And at number one on the list is Vince Vaughn. So is that they go, hey, who can we get from Minnesota? Hey, let's check Ranker.com. Hey, Vince Vaughn. He's funny. He's snarky. He's with it. He's wow. He's always available. So let's get Vince Vaughn. Cause look, it's his birthplace, Minneapolis. Now, number two on the list they have is Judy Garland, unavailable. Jessica Lang, age 71. Okay. Um, I don't know if she still lives here or not. She did for a while with her husband. See who else is on this list. Email me, booth Better, Better ideas than who they ended up with. Cheryl Teagues, birthplace Breckenridge. Yeah, okay. Josh Hartnett. Jesse Ventura. Would have been a better choice. The body. Jane Russell, born in Bemidji, which I didn't realize. Um... She died in 2011, so that would have been a breach. Charles Schulz, of Charlie Brown fame passed away. Let's keep going down here and see who else we can come up with. Louis Anderson. Kind of cliched, but yeah, you could do it. James Arness was born in Minneapolis. I don't know how much time he spent here. Um. Chris Pratt, if you're familiar with him, he's from Minnesota. One of the Cone brothers? Might have been a tough get. I don't know. Point is, I think the football gods doomed the Golden Gophers the moment that decision was made. Vince Vaughn. This just shook my head. It stuck with me all day. I don't know why it bugged me so much. Maybe because it just it just seemed like it was lazy. Like it's, oh yeah, he was born here, and like I said, he's a quipster, and he, and he likes sports, so that's how we'll, we'll include. Football gods rebelled. They said, no, no, that's not going to work. So we're going to make you pay on the field. We're going to make you pay by giving up 70-yard touchdown run in which the running back I don't think was even breathed upon, let alone touched. <laughs> we're going to allow Michigan to start a drive on the 8-yard line after one of those, of one of a series of ter- of really, really um, embarrassing kickoffs to take place, in which in this case, apparently the Gophers felt that the, they were not allowed to tackle the ball carrier on the way back. The list goes on and on. You know how it ended. 49-24. It was not that close. Golden Gophers lose their opener to the uh, Michigan Wolverines. And uh, we'll spend a decent amount of time talking about it, reacting to it. 800-320-5326, toll free, 651 989 53-26. Fifty three twenty six. I I've looked at the schedule. I know what's ahead. Maryland and Illinois. Both road games, but both very beatable teams based on what we thought we knew before the season began and what we learned after the first weekend. Bad defenses in both cases. Off to horrific starts defensively. Maryland, I think, against Northwestern. Illinois against uh, Wisconsin and their new hotshot quarterback, but as we discussed a week ago today as we prepared for Vikings Atlanta, and we actually mulled over the what I thought was slim possibility that the Goers, or the uh, Vikings would actually lose that game, we did lay out then what if the unspeakable happens at the People's Stadium? Season's over. We didn't even know at that point it would also include then the Vikings' decision to trade away their only remaining legitimate pass-rushing threat in Gakwe. And you say to yourself, the world could be, the Minnesota sports world could be the Golden Gophers' oyster. But the way you have to do it is, Not so much by, in weeks two and three, taking care of business against Maryland and Illinois, which is still possible, but by meeting, playing, and defeating a ranked blue-blood football powerhouse on national TV. That's how you make the town yours. That's how you get everybody's attention, and that opportunity is now gone. Yeah, if the Gophers go on a win streak... Preparing for, you know, perhaps a potential showdown game with Wisconsin. Will it build? Yeah, it'll build. But this was the opportunity to do something special and truly have people. I'm telling you, if today we were talking about a gopher victory over Michigan, all week, all week, they would be the number one story in this town number one sports story in town, for uh, no question about that. And um, we can't even say that it was a dramatic down-to-the-last-play finish, a la my alma mater, Indiana, against Penn State. It was a thorough blowout, a thorough routing, of a Michigan team that maybe is ready to finally take off under Jim Harbaugh. That's possible. You can't rule that out. But that came in with many of its own questions that needed to be answered. A quarterback who had alleged pedigree but hadn't really done all that much. I think they were, they missed four, they lost four starting offensive linemen. They had their own issues to deal with. And, um, after a relatively promising start, it got away from us uh, very, very quickly. And as I mentioned via Twitter yesterday, um, the only thing left for the for PJ to do was to try to fire Rob Smith again. That's what that defense looked like yesterday. You remember the defense that literally seemed to have players constantly out of position either because they were asked being asked to do too much or did weren't good enough, whatever the case may be, where you'd say that's a simple off-tackle play, and the the running back's gone for 70 yards and no one touched him. Where were the safeties? There was nobody even in the middle of the field once he got past the line of scrimmage. What's going on? That was the general tenor of the Gopher defense before they made the coaching change. And yesterday, to me, um, it felt exactly like that once again. It felt as if um, we didn't have any idea what we were Doing, we've seen defenses like that before, and we haven't even gotten to the special teams disaster. COVID, we presume COVID related, that had the uh, Gophers putting. I mean, when you're not in a good position, when your your only kicker you can use, you tell him because he's coming off sports hernia surgery. Um, don't strain too much, because we don't want to have. Uh, an aggravation of that. So just kick it as far as you can without straining. That's generally not a winning solution to your uh, kicking situation. And again, what's the cliche about special teams? You really don't notice them until they bleep up, and until they screw up. And last night on every level, they pretty much screwed up, to the point where then we were forced into, you could say, or cajoled into going for it, deep in our own territory. Was it the 29-yard line? I think we were inside our own 30. And um, it was maybe the slowest developing fake punt in the history of college football, and it went nowhere, as you may recall. Gave Mich- uh, Michigan one of several short fields throughout the ball game. Mary Tyler Moore. She's technically not one of us, but she represents us. We like to think, right? Uh, Tammy Faye Baker. Is she still alive? No, she, uh, she passed. She, did she pass away? Yep. So that'd be difficult. Um, Daryl Thompson. Let's go for Heisman candidate. That would have been better than Vince Vaughn. Tony Dungy. Although he's awfully hard to get. Bud Grant! Bud Grant! Would have been better than Vince Vaughn. I got several uh, votes for him. Lou Nanny. David Winfield. The list goes up. I bet you, in a two-hour show, we could name 500 potential, more qualified celebrity pickers to represent the state of Minnesota than Vince Vaughn. And this isn't a rip at Vince Vaughn. I got nothing against him. I'm sure Vince Vaughn is saying, why am I getting ripped in Minnesota? They called me. I raised my hand. I said I'd help him out. So it's not on him. It's on the people who decided that this is cool because they think Vince Vaughn is cool, and he was once, I guess. But that's what's bugging me today. That's what's distracting me more than the performance itself against uh, Michigan and the opportunity already missed. Because now, to get that back, it's going to take weeks and weeks of beating teams you're supposed to beat, and even then that's not the same, because that's how it's going to be viewed, and then maybe you get it back up for the showdown matchup, presumably if you don't lose any games until then against wisconsin we have an extremely forgiving forgiving schedule again this year that's the i guess that's what we got going for us in terms of reviving the season and still being able to make something out of this season but um this was your chance to really gain not only the attention of uh people here but everywhere where was the stat i saw Michigan scored 35 points in the first half. That's the most in the first half versus a ranked opponent in the Associated Press poll era, era so that's since 1936. That's the history we made last night by yielding 35 points because we're a ranked opponent. That's rarefied air. We're not even used to that. But now you, when you ascend to those places, then the standards go up. And then you have to be judged on those standards. And we've already made history. Something not accomplished 64 in 84 years. Giving up that many points in a first half versus a ranked opponent. There you have it. Congratulations to your Golden Gophers. And I think it's all on the fan. Mike Tice live about 30 minutes from now. He will help us through what we in the business call bye week for your uh, Minnesota Vikings and maybe help us understand um, what mode the purple might be in at this juncture. We will not ignore quite possibly, I'm not going to call it the best finish in World Series game history, but it might very well be the strangest, most shocking finish to a single game ever in the World Series. Yeah, there's close circuit to the Twins fans, they are continuing the playoffs without us. And um, the Dodgers thought they were on the precipice of a commanding three games to one lead until all hell broke loose on the final play in the um, ninth inning. So we'll give you more details about that later. Interesting uh, email has come in from longtime contributor Julie with a conspiracy theory that really makes some sense. Vince Vaughn has a new movie coming out on November 14 called Freaky. The Game Day crew mentioned it at least once. Is it possible that this movie is produced by a company with ties to ESPN and ABC? Then it's a two birds with one stone situation for them, Minnesota picker, with a corporate tie, just a thought. It's worth investigating. And let's be honest, wouldn't be the... Look, we all take advantage of writers, actors, musicians coming to town for a concert. They got a new book out, whatever. That's that's part of the deal. We've all... We're no stranger guess, to that. No, we, here we, Exactly. And we accept being used uh, for those purposes if we can get a good guest out of the bit. But nevertheless... Vince Vaughn, I mean, I, the suggestions are coming in fast and furious. How about Alan Page? Now, again, okay, he went to Notre Dame, we get that, but who is more Minnesotan now than Alan Page? Hell, it's been suggested via Twitter that a can of spam just prop up a can of spam on a chair and that would be more authentic than uh, Vince Vaughn. I like that suggestion as well. I'm going down that ranker list. I'll give you some other names: Garrison Keeler. Well, that might be uncomfortable. Uh, authentic, yes, but a um, little bit of baggage for Keeler that might make not might might make the timing delicate or indelicate, depending on your point of view. Mike Farrell, 81 years old, Mash fame. Born in St. Paul, apparently, which I didn't know. I don't know how much of a connection he continues to have to the Twin Cities. Um, what about Pete Najarian? How would you feel about Pete that? Pete Nigerian would be, all of these we're naming, would be better than Vince Vaughn. And even if they don't all have the box office appeal that he does. Um, Larry Fitzgerald, Jr., is on this list, ranked number thirtieth, famous people from Minnesota. Might be a little bit busy. Uh, I'm assuming his team's playing today. I don't know. Uh, Tom Davis, the late great Tom Davis, has been in this studio of a Franken and Davis fame. Unfortunately, has passed away. Would have been a better choice if he were still, if he had still been uh, with us for sure. Scrolling. Continuing to scroll, see if other names. Any other names? A lot of these individuals have uh, passed away. Chief Bender. Well, he died in 1954. He was born in Brainerd, the famous pitcher. Um, But keep them coming, because I, as I said, any of these are better. I think more apropos. Kevin McKay. I'm telling you that we could do 500 without any difficulty. This is all distracting me from talking about the game itself, which, um, as most of you know, did not go well at all. We we laid out uh, just how disappointing the performance was. I for me, more defense than special teams because. Based on every, what, what everybody's telling me, you didn't have in the special team's case, you did not have your best potential representatives on kickoff, on kickoffs, field goals and punts. And we presume COVID-related, though that, that it's still all kind of mysterious about who was available and who wasn't available and and why. So, uh, for example, um, Michael Lance, who's the number 1 place kicker, apparently was k- booming 50-yard field goals in, in pregame but that, and, and in uniform, but was not available. So is he at the end of a COVID protocol? I don't know that that's been resolved yet. It's odd to me to have guys dressed if they can't be available in the game. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But... We'll maybe get more information about that as the week goes on. But in this case, it sounds like we're having people out there who are either incapable of, of doing what they're asked to do, um, and then there's also the weirdness of the strategy of uh, you, you're you still allowed to try. Eventually they got, I think, to where they were doing the pop-up kicks, which were short but at least were high, which gave your defense a chance to do something about it. So even the strategy that you were you were deploying – under these limitations, was head-scratching, I would say. So that's rippable, but again, you say you don't have your main people, so you're, 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 you're making it up as you go along. Defensively, though, there isn't that excuse. Now, again, we know there are, this is not unlike the Vikings. You've got, apparently, upwards of seven defensive players who were big parts of this team over the last three years, all to be replaced. That's not going to be done in a minute. But my understanding is that the front, on the front line, defensive line, you had a lot of experienced people back, and we got nothing going up front in this game. Nothing. No pressure on the QB that I saw. Uh, no real penetration. Very little defensively. And I think they averaged 8.3 yards a carry, did Michigan on the ground. made uh, Had enough passes also to be effective when they needed to be effective that way and so that's got to be the most eye-opening and concerning part against again an offense that's not known to be all that explosive now maybe they're about to take off with the QB but they haven't you know it, it they they came in with their own questions and even a, a number of changes they they needed to make along the offensive line so to me i'm putting defense at the top of the list cuz i'm assuming the special teams you're going to get your main guys back fairly soon, and that's at least going to be representative. All you're looking for is representative there. But I don't know that there's any guarantee that it's going to get more representative defensively if if these are the same people. Now, presumably, as Garzi talked about, they'll get better, or you think they have a chance to get better. But how quickly will they get better? And what we saw yesterday was an alarming combination of what looked like just a lack of players making plays and then players who looked very much lost and out of position. Um, and that combination made for, if you've watched Gopher football for the better part of 30 years, and I have, even though I'm not one of us, I bet you I've watched more football than Vince Vaughn has, I'll tell you that, more, more Gopher football. Uh, we've seen that defense before. Frankly, we've seen it too many times under too many different administrations as well. And... um as a result, just took all the life out of the uh, what might have been a very special evening for your Golden Gophers and their fan base. And by the way, the hardcores, I'm sure, will hang with the club because they're hardcores. But what you're trying to buy, the, the, the people, this is a front-running town, as we talked about last week, this is a town that um, even if you have casual interest in the sport itself and you don't even understand the history all that much, you'll grab onto it pretty quickly especially if there's no one else who's winning and no one else who see even seems alive, vital. And that's who you unfortunately lost last night as, uh, as well. Did you mention Chris Pratt? Is that the name you mentioned? He's a Jurassic Park guy, among others. Bob Dylan, probably a reach to get him, but I don't know. Did anybody bother to try to ask him? My guess is no. What about Jacob Dylan? Not a bad idea too. Sure, why not? Does he spend any time here though? I don't think I, he has I can't actually. Confirm
2: or
0: deny.
1: Yeah, he's a name. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Yanni. We have a vote for Yanni. Mouth guitar guy would have been an absolutely better choice than uh, Vince Vaughn. Um, Marion Ross, a.k.a. Mrs. C on Happy Days, born in Watertown, or Eddie Cochran, rock and roll star from Albert Lee, either of those would have been better. We mentioned Joe Maurer, you kidding me? Joe Maurer would have been 10 times better, celebrity picker. There's another vote for Marion Ross. Uh, Arnie Carlson. Biggest gopher rube. He's a bigger gopher rube historically than Kessler. How about Kessler? Fresh off announcing his retirement. Pat Kessler would have been brilliant. Um, Keeler. Another vote for Keeler. We mentioned Dungy earlier. Lindsey Whalen. Oh, this is, this is more infuriating the deeper you get into the list. really is. Vince Vaughn. Did he see? I didn't watch it. Did you watch it by chance, Brian? No, I didn't catch that. Was he sheepish? He probably wasn't because it was probably, hey, good way to plug the film. By the way, what's Freaks about you have any idea?
0: Apparently, it's kind of a twist on that Freaky Friday concept of oh. switching bodies. And I guess it's like he's a killer or something, and he switches with a young girl, and oh. then now she's the killer plot twist. So, can't wait.
1: Sounds wacky. <laughs> Sounds really wacky and a lot of hijinks that I most assuredly can't wait for. Mike Tice live. will join at the top of the 10 o'clock hour of the show. Let's mix in some phone calls. we got Warren already on hold. wants to talk about that World Series finish last night. A lot of people think Warren can only talk football. Don't judge him that way. He's not that one-dimensional. 800-320-5326 or 651-989-5326. I'd love to hear from Gopher Rubes as well. Back with The fan. Fan. Emailer Trent reviewing the Vince Vaughn performance as a celebrity picker atrocious low energy zero enthusiasm Sid Hartman's tape recorder would have been a better choice. How about Tommy Lehman? How about Tippy Hedren, a former guest on the Bumper to Bumper show? Believe it or not, the actress. Uh, who appeared in uh, at least 2 Hitchcock films including The Birds was born in New Orleans. And I want to say we had her on. This goes back to we weren't even in this building. There was a film festival of some sort of her movies and we we had her on. It was a very nice conversation with somebody I am old enough to remember as an uh, a very accomplished actor as well. Mike Tice, top of the hour, and we're adding at 10.30 today, Golden Gopher Immortality. He would have been a better choice than Vince Vaughn. Bobby Bell. Bobby Bell's going to join the program. I don't know if he watched the game last night. I do know that he had a very interesting relationship with Sid Hartman. And uh, we'll talk to one of the all-time Golden Gopher football greats who we've had on many times over the years on lots of subjects as well. Let's take a call from Warren. Warren, you're actually calling to talk baseball. Yeah,
3: but you got me. Uh, yes, because there was a couple of things that were you didn't bring up that I think were really important about that game. Okay, was wonderful. But there's a couple guys you've, you, I think you're totally blowing that should have done the picking. The number one guy should have been Carl Eller, Minnesota golfer, Hall of Famer, Boom. Minnesota Viking. Boom. Hi. Yeah, there. No, you're one. right. Yeah, he's number, one. number one, number one. Here, here, here's here's two father and sons. You could have Marion Barber Jr. and Marion oh. Barber being on there, even
1: better. I like it. You two could generations
3: also could have the team of Winfield. Yeah, you know if he wasn't playing. Yeah. but I think one guy that gets forgotten about who's a great from the Gophers who played in the NFL really well is Carl Mecklenburg.
1: Oh yeah, very underrated player. You're right, absolutely. Uh,
3: one other thing about the Gophers: what what was very irritating about it? It it Bring me back to the are you hungry or are you starving days. I, mean, I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. And I believe it, it, just by happenstance, the stupidest thing is what they should have done is had a, uh, somebody on the team just this, this, by being a good athlete during the week's field, somebody could actually kick the ball that normally don't play that. And I bet you there's guys on the team that could probably kick it. And I think the main reason why they lost last night was because nobody had said anything about no offensive lineman. If they would have had the regular offensive lineman in, I don't think they would have gave up that first uh, fumble, and I think they would have been able to blow him right off the field. Michigan is not a good team. Well, they were offensive line.
1: The 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 Gopher offense, I don't think, was the problem. Now it got pear shaped late when you you got a throw on every down, and Michigan just started going, you know, teeing off. The QB was this was not him at his best either. He did not have a great right. game, but the. The other two parts of it were key. All right, um, well,
3: uh, This is what this is what what you didn't understand about last night. I don't know where you caught the game, but it wasn't just the last inning. It was back and forth the whole game, and that's why I think baseball is very underrated. Because I still think if you look at all the football games this year, mm-hmm. football games, there's been such bad play in football, and you it just you, you can tell by either the college teams, yeah. or the NFL on how many bad teams there are. And this shouldn't even be a regular considered a regular season. I think it should be almost like a preseason practice type season. Get your young guys in. Are you and turning you lose, on? Are you turning you on
1: your game? Your favorite game of football? No, so no I'm just turning saying, on
3: it. I'm just saying well, lot these teams, like the Vikings, they should have got all their young players in, play them as much as they can. Don't worry about the year. Yeah. But well, that's I about to happen. Baseball, I think. But I think baseball. That game last night was one of the best either playoff or World Series games yeah. I've seen. Probably from March, but. It was just back and forth, and you got you got one guy on one hitter, one guy on one hitter, and the and the defensive play was just outstanding. It was a great game.
1: All right, thanks for the call, Warren. Let's set it up. I, I am going to talk mainly about the end because I was epoxied to uh, go for football yesterday, but I do know how it ended. I didn't watch it live, but I know it now, and I've watched it on tape. So basically, the Dodgers are one strike away. From winning Game Four, seven six, and taking a three to one series lead, Brett Phillips then gets a base hit, drives a base hit to shallow right field to drive in the tying run. Okay, it's seven seven. Chris Taylor is the outfielder who does not clean the ball, uh, does not field the ball cleanly. He, he kind of muffs it, it move, and then it kind of bounds away from him. That gives Rudy, how do you pronounce this name, Ara a chance to score. He rounds third base, stumbles into a somersault. In other words, he's dead to the world with a good throw and a good catch by the catcher and a tag. However, Will Smith swings his mitt to home plate for the tag, but he did so before he had cleanly fielded the relay throw. Ball rolls a way. Uh, second base runner dives head first and scores the winning run. And again, if the ball is fielded cleanly and right, the second base runner has no chance, obviously, to score on that play at all. So, um, it, it was an incredible finish. But to to uh, I think where Warren is missing it is part of what led to the incredible nature of it. Were some bad plays. That was horrific, horrific defense in that situation as well, that led to uh, the fact that now it's a brand new series at two games apiece as well. I'll take him at his word that um, it was uh, that there were a lot of twists and turns leading into the game. Now, uh, I will defend football to the extent that he's comparing the end of the postseason. In baseball, where presumably in the COVID 19 world, uh, everybody's gotten some, had the chance to adjust to being out in the field and, and, and you know, to, to playing their best baseball. And we're at the start of certainly the college football season, literally the, for the Big Ten, the first week as, uh, as well. I described it as one of the wackiest finishes ever because that's the way it's been described by lots of folks as well. Uh, let's, uh, no, you know what? We don't have, to, uh, I don't want to get too far behind here because I got two guests the rest of the way. Uh, callers, if you can hold on, we'll be glad to get back to you later, but I do want to talk to Mike Tice, get his reaction to a disastrous, uh, gopher, or I should say, well, good cock gophers, but Vikings game a week ago. Seems like everything's disastrous right now. And, um, we'll get his reaction to the Vikings decision to trade away their best pass rusher, where this team is headed, Kirk Cousins, all that kind of good stuff with the former Vikings head coach and our buddy...
3: You have meddled with the primal
0: forces of nature!
3: And you
4: will atone!
1: Two of uh, Sunday Sermons. It's going to be a power-packed hour. Mike Tice now. Bobby Bell at the bottom of the hour as well. Okay, calm down. Um, Mr. Tice, of course, uh, has joined us several of the last few Sundays and has a terrific podcast available to you that I re- I try to retweet every uh, Saturday or yeah, generally Saturday. He, I think, releases the, the deal that kind of helps you preview... The uh, week of games, and even if you happen to be someone who likes to place a wager or two, um, maybe some guidance there as well, um, Mr. Tice. How how are you this uh, fine Sunday morning?
2: I am wonderful, Danny boy. We do not have any rain in Seattle. I know that's hard to believe, but no rain.
1: Well, no we rain. have uh, probably you heard this in the middle of the week. We got a a nine inch snowfall. Which was right lovely. And it's, as I look out my window here in St. Louis Park, you've been in this studio. It is, uh, snowing rather steadily right now. So you're uh, missing all that kind of good stuff. And maybe it fits the mood, Mr. Tice, because you're, uh, since we last spoke, things have not gone real well for the Purple. Um, including, we didn't have you on a week ago, but we, of course, a week ago today, we were talking about, uh, the, um, dangers of assuming anything, even against the Atlanta Falcons. I still thought the Vikings would win the game. I did worry about some aspects of congratulating too mu- themselves too much for playing Seattle tough, which the most assuredly did. but could did you see that coming? Did you see what the Vikings did at home against Atlanta coming?
2: no no i didn't Dan. I, uh, I actually picked the Vikings to win in uh, on my podcast <laughs> them and a few other teams that didn't win, so it was a rough week. But, yeah, I really felt like coming out of the uh, Seahawk game, you know, and having the uh, the opportunity to win the game late and not uh, converting on that fourth down, I thought that would give them some grit and yeah. uh, give them a chance to uh, you know, feel a little bit better about themselves. and But, you know, Atlanta fires their coach, and it looks like the players rallied, and they played their best game of the season. But it just uh, didn't feel like there was a tremendous amount of energy uh, being ex- expelled out on the yeah. field. It, it
1: just looked flat to it me. You did. You're, I think you're exactly right. The energy level, I'm told, from people who were there um, between the two sidelines was stark, I mean it there was quite a contrast, and of course, if you're Atlanta, you're hungry, you're looking for something, and so there's a reason maybe that they got encouraged Mike on the first play I mean you you just you can't throw that pass and it it set it the tone, I think for the entire game, the early interception on the first play from scrimmage by cousins. how does he throw that ball
2: yeah i don't I don't know he didn't obviously see the player, I guess the design of the play. Uh, that linebacker, I believe it was a linebacker, was supposed to be closer to uh, the line of scrimmage. Uh, it didn't work that way. You know, when you lose your running back, and, and uh, you know, he's often hurt, and you lose your running back, and yeah. you, don't ha- you don't have that real threat. Although Madison came in, uh, you know, against Seattle, and I thought it played extremely well. Uh, but but you don't have that threat. It's it's harder to have all your hard play action be successful.
1: Mm. It's great. It's just, yeah. You
2: know, now the success
1: That's success. Successful. Easy for you to say. Yeah. No, well, it's a hundred hundred percent true right. because whatever Madison is, and he's a nice, it looks like dependable backup running back, he's not he doesn't have the voltage that that Dalvin Cook when he could stay on the field, and that's a key point which you mentioned, um is is out there. Yeah, well, you
2: know, Cook uh, Brings some fear to players. If you watch him run, uh, he breaks a lot of tackles. <clears throat> you know, I'd, I'd be—I don't have all those stats that they talk about on those shows. I—I look up stuff myself, but I'd be uh, surprised if he wasn't in the top, you know, four or five running backs after contact yards after contact in the uh, National Football
1: League. Very, very true. So, as you'd know, um, the Vikings also made some news by trading away their, well, there was news, uh, on both ends of the defensive line. Uh, on the one hand, they make the decision to trade Ngocwe to Baltimore and they get back a three. They, you know, this is five weeks after they trade a two to get him in part because I think of their concern with the, uh, the condition of Daniil Hunter on the other side of the line. Now we come to find out Daniel is going to have surgery, uh, a herniated disc, so his season is over. So it, from afar, or at least from here, it certainly looks like it's the white flag. Now, Spielman wouldn't put it that way. I don't expect that he would. But when you trade away, when you lose your number 1 defensive alignment for the rest of the season, you know he's not back. And when you then trade away your only viable other outside pass-rushing threat, Aren't you signaling that hey, it is what it is this season? We got to get what we can because we're not going to be able to trade him, or says we're not going to be able to sign him as a free agent next year. Um, we're we're backing up the truck here. What what did you make of it?
2: Well, you know, you you can look at it two ways. You can look at it the way you're explaining that hey, listen, let's uh, regroup, you know, let's uh, improve the young players as the season progresses, and then. Uh, and then, you know, you lose Griffin. You know, he's gone. You lose a couple other defensive players. So your defense took a step back, in, in my opinion, in the the season. Now you lose Daniil Hunter for the season. You bring in a little bit of help, but then you get rid of the help. Unless they have something that I haven't seen in the closet, some kind of young player that's on the practice squad that they're going to give a chance and he's going to come out and, and be, you know, an equal talent. Then i don't know how how else you can look at it,
1: yeah I don't either at this point. What do we do? What does this team do with cousins um because his contract situation is such that um they're stuck with him not just this year but next year. he's too big of a salary I think the salary cap hit next year would be forty mil um the year after I think the cap hit would be ten, which is probably more manageable but um, that's the, that to me is the elephant in the room here, kind of what you do with him, whether you still are stubborn about trying to make it work with him, or if you say, look, if there's a quarterback we love in this draft, even if it isn't the guy supposed to be at the top of the list, cause we're not drafting there, pull the trigger and do it and, and, and get that process going because it's not going to last forever uh, with Kirk Cousins, the way it's going right now, what, what 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 should this team do in that regard?
2: You know, all those cap things is, is for the people uh, upstairs to figure out how you know if they can afford. Uh, I know they can afford it, but if right. they want to take that cap hit, you see a couple teams this year get a, rid of a couple, you know, high octane players, and and uh, it's it's a tough situation. You know, the biggest thing is is the turnovers. You know, you could you don't have to be um, you don't have to be the prettiest. Person in the room, but certainly you can give yourself a chance if you can uh, eliminate and not turn the football over. When you turn the football over, you really don't give yourself that big a chance. And when you have ten interceptions, you know after the first part of the season, uh, that makes it really hard. Dan
1: Mike Tice is our guest on the on the fan Vikings. Of course, are off this week. We can insert our own joke about that they were basically off last week as well. So um update us on what you think of the state of the NFC North here in that of course the Packers had their they stubbed their toe big time uh for the first time this season do you view the Packers as a, a team that okay you're not they're not going to go nobody goes undefeated in this league anymore and things got out of hand in that game and you sort of write that off or did you see some vulnerability in the Packers that you think is going to prove that they're not as good as they looked through the first month of the season.
2: Yeah, I was surprised on that one too. I mean, it took a funny turn. I mean, ten nothing, and then he throws a pick six. Uh, he, of course, being Aaron Rodgers, and then it seemed like they rattled his cage a little bit. And uh, you know, couple of grounding penalties, and it looked like he got his cage rattled. And maybe the formula is, uh, of course, quarterbacks don't like to get hit. No. And if you hit him, if you hit him early in the game. Uh, it tends to fluster him a little bit, and that was—I uh, thought—that's what really happened offensively. And then they had some offensive line woes. They lost a big tackle, and it just—it just got out of hand really, like you said, really quickly in that game. And Tampa needed that game. Uh, mm-hmm. They were coming off that tough loss to who I believe Chicago. They—they they need 2019, I think. Uh, they needed that game. But I'll go back to turnovers. You know, you look at turnovers. We all know right now, if you think about the worst team in the league, you can either pick Dallas or the Jets, probably. And Dallas is minus 12 in the turnover differential. And right next to them on the list is the Minnesota Vikings at minus 7. And then when you look at the teams that are successful, of the teams that lead the league in in the turnover differential, the top five teams' record is 25-2. and And that's the Titans at plus 6, the Seahawks plus 6, the Ravens plus six, the Chiefs plus five, and the Steelers plus five. Now those are if you think about those teams, those are five damn good football teams. So I'm gonna harp on that. If you want to turn things around, you can't turn the ball over and hopefully you get your running back back and you can string together a couple victories, but the schedule is is not uh, favorable.
1: Which I think those stats you, you lay out there prove the point that no matter how much this game changes, some things never change. Right? right. I mean the, exactly. those four that formula is you go back any decade that doesn't doesn't change.
2: No, it doesn't. It's something that Chuck Knox, the great old yeah. God, God bless him, Chuck Knox taught me many many years ago about the turnovers. And you give yourself a chance to win when you turn the football over. Well, unless we just talked about two quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers pick six, of course, first play of the game we throw a pick last week, the Vikings and. You can't turn the ball over and expect to win, especially if you're playing a team that's a good football team. Now, Atlanta, ugh, not such a great football no. team, but, they, but they've had some bad luck, too. I mean, they've been in a right. lot of games. They, they have. lost some games in the fourth quarter that, uh, you know, end up costing ultimately the head coach's job.
1: Uh, Steelers-Titans is an intriguing game. I, I'm usually NFC guy, but I, I look at that game. It's obviously uh, something's got to give. 5-0 and o versus 5-0. and o. Um, what, do you, what do you see in that game? Did you make a pick on this one?
2: I did. I, I did pick this game, and I, I picked the Steelers. Oh. Uh, I have two friends on the staff of the Titans. I did not send them my podcast this week. <laughs> of course, one is the Todd Downing, our dear friend from you know, Eden Prairie, uh, coaching the tight ends. But I, I just feel like, uh, in talking to uh, Keith Butler, an old teammate of mine, the defense coordinator at Pittsburgh, I feel like they're going to worry about stopping the run and if they can stop the run, that, that again, makes them uh, uh, a little vulnerable. So they're going to put some people up on the line of scrimmage. I think, uh, you know, they're number one in the league in uh, sacks uh, with uh, 24 sacks. That's wow. a lot of sacks. That is, yep. Yeah. And, and they really get after it. They don't have many injury problems, the Steelers. The Titans don't have many injury problems, except they lost their left tackle, Taylor Juana. And I think that's going to be a problem. The kid from Michigan. Uh, it's going to be a really good game. I'm sorry it's in the early window. It's a 10 o'clock game here in Seattle, so you can yeah. get your butt going, but uh, it's going to be a tremendous game, and that could be the game of the week as well, and, and right now the Titans are favored at one and a half. It's good. To me, that's going to be the, the game of the day. I mean, there's some great matchups this week. You know, you got San Francisco going to the Patriots, yeah. and, and you got Seattle, you know, flex to the night game against Arizona and Kyler Murray. That's going to be a great game, and uh, Tampa and Vegas, I thought it was going to be a good game. The Raiders, until the Raiders, you know, lost five offensive linemen, four of which have been reinstated off the COVID list. And then Monday night finishes out with the Bears. I mean, the Bears have been shocking, you know, five and one against the Rams. And the Rams have broken my heart a couple times, because when you think they're going to win, then they go out and... yeah. And, uh, you know, wet the
1: bed. Well, in the case of the Bears, I think they're still viewed, at least by me, as a team that has not figured out all that much offensively. They got, I mean, they made the quarterback change. Um, he's, and, 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 you know, he's streaky in that it's what streaky means. He can be good. Foles can be really good when he's in a role, but he can also be pretty dreadful and inaccurate. And they're doing it. You know, their baseline is they've got a a bend-but-don't-break defense that are in the the red zone has been very good at at making teams settle for field goals. And I guess you can keep yourself afloat that way, Mike. The question is whether you can really become a viable contender if you don't have an offense that improves a lot.
2: I I, I tend to agree with that, but they're finding a way to win. They're an ugly... I mean, they're only scoring 21 points a game. I mean, it's like, okay, but, you know, the Bears are built always around their defense, and they have... You know, the two great defensive plays and Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, and they really missed him, uh, Hicks last year when he was out with an injury. And they get him back. I think he's got four sacks. And, and, uh, of course, Khalil Mack has four and a half. You get him going. It's going to be a tremendous game. And you get Aaron Donald on the other side. But, you know, the Bears are getting six points on the road at five and one. Yeah. And, and that's going to be interesting. And I, I pick the Bears. I think the Bears can be, uh, uh, in the game. They keep the games close. And, uh, We'll see what happens in that particular game, but yeah, I'm with you, Dan. I don't see them. I'm kind of shocked. It's a, probably the ugliest five and yeah. one that I've seen in quite some time. But they're five and one.
1: Patriots, I think, are have a losing record. This is the latest in the calendar. They've had a losing record in over a decade, or for maybe even longer than that. It's been a long time they're there. And for all of that, they're two and three. It's not like they're zero oh and five. But have you have we seen enough of Cam yet to get a handle on whether he's got it in him? to really even though he you know he plays the position a different way than Brady does but can be viable enough to keep New England in it or are we seeing you know some of some of the limitations to, to him being the main guy at this point in his career what do you think
2: well you know they lost last week to Denver Denver's got a defensive head coach and they have even though Miller is out their best player on defense they they're good defensively and Patriots are having trouble scoring. They're only scoring 21 points a game. Cam Newton has a chance late in the game to make that throw. guy's wide open. He doesn't make the throw. The passing game is going to be the problem. They can run the ball. They're up there in in rushing the football. I think they're second maybe in the league in in rushing. They're somewhere towards the top. Uh, I think they're rushing about 160-plus yards a game so they can run the ball, which is good. So They're trying to make the formula work. They're going to be good on defense because that's what they are. But uh, Cam's got to make some throws for them to, you know, be able to compete and uh, and get on the plus side. But here's the thing: I don't see that they really have any talent in the wide receiver position,
1: which has been or, a,
2: or at well, the wide receiver position,
1: which has been uh, a problem there. Uh, la- last item for you: uh, Mark Craig, longtime NFL writer, has an interesting piece today. Star Tribune uh, headline: Vikings primed to join crowded race for number 1 pick and of course it's it's all about tanking for Trevor that's the alliteration that people love although I pretty much hate the whole tr- tanking concept and I don't even buy that it's done anywhere near as often as folks want to believe but have you watched enough of of this kid Trevor Lawrence to believe everything about him that that he's got a chance to be uh, an all-time great QB or do you say well I'd like to see a little bit more in terms of how his game translates what what are your impressions of him from afar
2: well, they're loaded with talent, and uh, most of the time when Clemson plays, they're playing teams that don't have the talent that Clemson has on the bench, and so it, it kind of it makes it uh, you know tainted a little bit for me.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I like to see him in a close game having to make some throws and uh, see him in, against a tough opponent where things don't come so easy. Before I judge that you know he's the savior of the world. Now you look at Joe Burrow. He's come out and he's you know thrown uh, thrown the ball all over the place. I think he's got the most passing attempts in the league. Certainly the most three hundred yard games for a rookie quarterback to this point. Uh, so we'll say you know Joe Burrow has done a nice job in the NFL. Uh, they can't win the games. The bungles. Yeah. But uh, but we'll see,
1: we'll see. You know, uh the whole tanking concept, you used to be a head coach. You you well you coach forever, but you're also a head coach in the league. And as much as people like to talk about tanking, I have felt for a long time that in especially in football, it's it ain't as easy as it looks that there's the likelihood that somebody is going to walk into a locker room. You, for example, as a head coach and saying, "Guys, you know, we were trying up till now, but we need that that draft pick. We want to have the best chance to get the number 1 pick. So I'm not asking you to like not try, but I'm asking you to try less hard than you've tried before. Is there a realistic way to tank other than really having your personnel traded away or taken away from you in in the sense that then you you tank just because you just don't have the same people that you that you've had before?
2: I don't I don't see it. I don't I know a lot of guys on that staff. I don't see tank in the vocabulary. You know, I, I think there's probably a little wish. There could be some wishing that. Well, you know, if we don't finish yeah. we're, we're going to get. I, I think it's more wishing.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, if if at all, if at all, because there's so many uh, players. Uh, excuse me, so many coaches and people in the uh, upper office that are character people. Uh, they, I don't think Tank is ever a word that has come up in that building. I'd be very, very shocked and surprised.
1: Um, remind people where they can get your uh, your uh, your podcast.
2: Well, you can get on YouTube. You know, it's about any week, any week between 9, 11, 12 minutes. I'm talking about things that have gone on in the league the week before, and I pick five games, have a little bit of fun. Yep. And uh, and sometimes I'm good, and sometimes I'm not good. You know, one week I went 4-1, and one, and one week I went 0-5. Oh
4: yeah, that happens. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it happens. But I'm picking the games with the spread because it's a reality. I'm sure. not trying to hide from it. Everyone out in the country is... They're talking about games, and they're asking, you know, what are they favored by? And I never looked at it that way. Being in the business, you looked at it: did we win or did we lose?
1: Um, we're going to have uh, Bobby Bell on at the bottom of the hour to talk about Sid. I've not had a chance to talk to you about uh, that story, which broke a week ago. To, you know, today, in fact, yeah. during the the game. Well, give me your uh, one or two of your richest uh, Sid moments.
2: Oh, uh, you know, Sid was was always such a gracious person. He never wrote a negative article that I saw about any Minneapolis-Minnesota sports team. He was the ultimate positive guy. You know, when things look like they look right now for the Vikings, Sid would find that silver lining of how they were going to turn it around and win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, he was always gracious with the coaching staff. He brought us out to his house on the river each year before the season started. And uh, Sid was just a, a really unique personality and, and a genuine, uh, genuinely positive Minnesotan.
1: We appreciate the time. Uh, we will keep in touch as we always do, Mike. Thanks, and enjoy your uh... the advantage you have though the early football is. Then, then you can still have other stuff to do later in the day if you want to. It's a beautiful I know,
2: thing. Diane reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have sure. some stuff to move up you to have... the attic. Yeah, thanks.
1: You <laughs> have some chores. Yeah, you usually do. That's what we figured. Thank All you, sir. Right, we'll chat soon. Always a pleasure, Mike Tice, helping us out. Used to do a show with him called Mike Tice Live. Let's get a short segment in, and then we'll prepare to chat with the Golden Gopher Immortality, Bobby Bell. On the fan.
0: Sunday Sermons is brought to you by JTR Roofing and Randy's Elector.
1: Good morning, baby. What's the matter? Maybe just out of habit... This week won't be all that abyssy. Perhaps, despite the, uh, Gophers debacle against Michigan and the current condition of your Minnesota Vikings, the fact that it is Packer week or will be Packer week is enough to sustain a certain level of interest. The rivalry itself is self sustaining, even if the two teams are being very different positions I think Green Bay is in Houston tonight or today to take on the Texans they're favored to win they could stub their toe uh, but they certainly also could win so uh maybe that will keep things going for another week otherwise it feels like seasonal boost is uh, in peril given the fact that we're not close to the the resumption or the start of the new hockey and basketball seasons pro I'm talking about uh, baseball season is obviously in the rearview mirror for the Twins. Links are out of season right now. So we were clinging to the hope that the Gophers could capture the imagination of the, uh, Minnesota sports fans nation. And, um, that opener did not exactly stoke that desire, one could say. It was, um, 49-24, and you could argue it really wasn't even that close. Defense never stopped after the first drive, really never stopped anybody. And Michigan, I think they missed three field goals. Now, At least one of them was over 50. But um, they could have been approaching, I guess as I'm saying, 60 points in the ballgame. And um, the offense did probably enough, at least to keep it interesting. Keep in mind that also there were a lot of Michigan had a lot of good short fields having to do with special teams disasters as well. And of course, seven points came on a turnover on a strip sack ball bouncing into the air for an easy Michigan touchdown. That has to be factored in, I guess, to the 49. But um, there was no sign of presentable defense in this game. Special teams, I'm going to give as bad as it was and as much as it makes it impossible to beat a good team when your special teams are as messed up as they are. We're going to put that more to COVID um, and assume that those players are going to become, the regular kickers are going to become available fairly soon. Defense, though, they're picking up the pieces for a lot of lost, important players gone. And as a result, uh, there's no guarantee that they're going to be any more ready next week than this week other than they will be playing a far more inferior opponent in in the case of Maryland than in the case of what we, we saw play out uh, this week. But very disappointing start to not even be competitive in a game where you are, uh, it's your a big opportunity to capitalize on the good feelings that the team itself, the program, was eliciting on the basis of a very good season last year. And to not even be competitive, it makes it easier for people to kind of shrug their shoulders and say, what are we really? What do we really know yet? about whether this is the the breakthrough, not the breakthrough with a a lowercase b, but the breakthrough with the uppercase b, the capital B, that people want to think that uh, this particular coach and this program um, is associated with. And the only way you do that is if you follow up. And you're going to have much better, easier teams to play, but at this point all that's going to do is going to sort of keep you afloat the question is still, what are you going to be able to do defensively when you play a legitimate offense? And what looks like Wisconsin might have a legitimate offense again with this Mertz kid, the quarterback who they've been waiting for forever, who I think had one incomplete pass in the game, five touchdowns. He was absurd in their opener against Illinois. That's one of the defenses we're going to be playing in a couple of weeks. So I, I think this, uh, there is reason to believe that the Govers are going to be able to score a decent amount. But you got to be able to guard. You got to be able to play defense. And uh, we were back to playing that kind of uh, breakdown defense that that doesn't even really give you a chance to to participate. And to that extent, I think it was uh, maybe easier to accept the result. There was nothing fluky about it. There was nothing like ah, a couple of bad breaks here. We were right in it to the end. You were not at all competitive defensively. So it's going to have to. That's going to be for me even beyond the special teams the key to this whole thing. Are you going to be able to replace these guys? quickly enough to make yourself a factor in this race this year again. Um, Like the Vikings' defense, they're replacing six or seven names, and Vikings' defense still looks like they haven't figured out how to replace those names, and quite frankly, um, in addition to the ones they lost in the offseason, they've obviously lost Barr, they've lost Daniel Hunter as well, and now they've also lost Ngakwe. Um, So the chances the Vikings can recover... Limited chances. Of the Vike, the Gophers, can figure out who can fit in those spots that are open from the people that you lost a year ago. You're going to have to do it quick, and you're going to have to do it a little bit more convincingly, a lot more convincingly than you did in the opener. We'll find out if Bobby Bell, former Golden Gopher great, watched last night, and also talk to him about his very interesting relationship with. Man. Bobby Bell, two-time All-America, 61-62, and winner of the 62 Outland Trophy. That is given to the nation's most outstanding interior lineman. Third in the Heisman Trophy voting. A member of the 1960 Gophers National Championship Club, played in the 61 Rose Bowl, won the 62 Rose Bowl, inducted into both the College of Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well, went on to a stellar career as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, first in the AFL from 63 to 69, and then uh, after the merger of the National Football League from 1970 through 74. All-star for six consecutive years. uh, Pro Bowler for three straight years as well. He's uh, chatted with us several times over the years. We've always enjoyed the conversations, and he is uh, kind enough to join us on this Sunday morning right now. Bobby, welcome back to the program. Hope you are doing well, sir.
0: I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm locked up, you know. It's COVID-19, you know. It's uh, got everybody nervous and running around the country, you know.
1: It really does. How have you handled that? As you know, the older one gets, the more supposedly uh, you are vulnerable to it. So has it changed dramatically your day-to-day approach to life, Bobby? How have you uh, uh, adjusted?
0: Well, the thing is, though, my, you know, I talked to my doctors, you know, they said to me, if I don't have to do it, don't do it. Mm. Travel. And I I usually make a lot of different appearances, play in some golf tournaments all over the country. And that's what I've been doing for the last 25, 30 years. I travel a lot. And uh, right now, since I came back from the Super Bowl, I have not been on the, uh, I have not been in an airplane. Hmm. I I have not eaten in a restaurant. Uh, I just uh, hang around the house, you know, and maybe take my golf cart and go play a nine-hole my son, maybe. That's it. And uh, that's about it. You know, I just stay stay low, and it's been kind
1: of tough. Let's talk a little bit about that because there's a mental toll to that. And I can almost hear it in your voice a little bit because part of living for you has been post-football to get out, get involved, do things, talk to people, mingle, and so forth. And it's part of the challenge that at at every age people are having to deal with the sort of the mental difficulties, the mental challenges of losing some of the things in your life that that make one feel vital. Has that been part of the challenge here?
0: It's, it really has, uh I—I I guess I don't know. A few years ago, I got, I, people say, "What are you doing?" You know, and when I turned fifty, I had about—I had about five restaurants, and I decided I'm tired. tired. It was time for me to retire, mm-hmm. so I retired, and uh, I went on the road and I played in golf tournaments, fundraisers, and stuff, made appearances all over the country, all over the country, world, you know. And one year, I played in 53 golf tournaments Wow! in one year. And it was all over. And three of us in Kansas City. The other 50 was on the road. <laughs> so I got an opportunity to play in a lot of different uh, country clubs. That's uh, I enjoyed doing. And it was a fundraiser uh, and stuff like that. It's been put on the hold. I made speaking engagement. Uh, I just, I enjoyed meeting with people, you know, helping sure. people out. So that just came to a. Preaching stop.
1: Mm. stop Yeah, right there. You so, watch? Do you watch a lot of TV? You do a lot of reading. What do you do at home?
0: I do. I do all that. Watch a lot of TV. Watch a lot of you know different things. Sure. Sports that they do have. You know. Well, now it's got to the point. You know, no fans in the stands. Uh, you know, you, and that's getting bored. They had <laughs> a World Series baseball, and it nobody saw it i mean i mean nobody interested in it anymore you know it's just like the gopher play though yesterday they didn't have no fans there it's uh it's been tough it's been really tough and uh you know i do some reading here i get involved i, I do a lot of zoom calls with different friends and, and people all over the country and that's about it you, <laughs> you mentioned how to go from one step one floor to another floor, another floor. You know, that's about it. Yeah.
1: You know. Yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people can relate to exactly what you're talking about, especially if folks who are more in a retirement mode like you in some ways, but still want to stay vital. Um, you mentioned the Gophers. It did not go very well last night. It was a national T V game. I don't know how much if you saw all of it or part of it. Um, I I was laying out your your resume, which was all about great defense, and so to that extent, it must have been tough to watch because the defense was a real problem last night for the Gophers. What uh, what did you see?
0: Well, I it was rough, you know. Right off the bat, you know, they blocked the kick. You know, they blocked that kick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: went did score, and then the next thing you know, you now you got really buck, buckle down because Michigan is a good team. You know, I don't think I don't remember when. I don't remember Minnesota beat Michigan in uh, uh, Minneapolis in the last, what,
1: 25 it's years? Been a, it's been decades, absolutely. And
0: uh, I'm going like, oh, my goodness. I said, now is the time you got to tighten down, you know. They got that quick seven. Mm. Right? Michigan's going to be really hot, man. What are they going to do? And they come out and run the first play, and it's seven. I mean, a guy yeah. just took off. 70 yards, right, field. right i some yards, and I said, well, oh, my God. <laughs> the night's going to be a long night, you know? And, uh, you know, well, the defense didn't play as good. I mean, they scored. And, uh, it just didn't work. Yeah. They we're not clicking, you know? And I knew they had to tighten down. With, uh, Michigan got fired up, you know? When you grab a team like that, and, uh, you know, they look around and say, hey, man, this is not bad. They came <laughs> back and scored, and that's it. I mean, it's hard to be a team that everything they do is turned out right for them, you
1: know. They didn't punt after the first drive, I think, after the one that you mentioned that was blocked. And and they've got, as we talked about during the show today, they're missing about six or seven guys from the last couple of years who were key players. And that's the challenge right now. It, 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 sure, it didn't look last night that they had those players replaced. Looked like guys had assignment issues in some cases, maybe talent issues as well. And... To me, that's going to be the key, Bobby, to recovering from that start. Their schedule gets softer here, but the defense is the offense looks to me like they got a chance to be pretty good again. They, they're, I think they're going to be able to score, but um, you know it better than I. I mean, you played it. Defense still is where this thing starts, and so it looks to me like that's going to be the challenge. They're going to have to get a lot better defensively if they want to take up uh, pick up where they left off last year.
0: That's that's for sure. You know they're gonna have to. You know defense wins a lot of games. You know (laughs) if the other team can't score, they can't beat you. You know, so I'm just I just uh, I just hope coming up, they're you know try to do something with that defense and straighten it out.
1: Have you thought about what it would be like to play um, in? empty stadiums for you, if you could look back on, on your career? I guess what I'm asking is we, we all assume that especially defensive players do get some juice from the crowd at home, and maybe even the idea of taking a crowd out of the game on the, on the road. Do we overrate that, or was that a big part of you know what a, a good defense and a player like you was able to do? Well,
0: yeah, you, you, you like the fans, you like the crowd, you know. You know, I used to, uh, I had people, I mean, all the way through my career, you know, just, people used to go up and say, man, uh, you looked up in the stand and uh, I waved at you, but you didn't wave back. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, you hear me yelling at you, you know. But uh, my my thing to them is I'm saying, oh, yeah, I saw you up there. And I saw you yelling at me. Yeah, uh, But I really did, you know, because I'm concent- I'm a I am involved in the game. I like to be involved in the game all the time. That's a hundred percent. That's defense, offense. Yeah. And you know, when I was at University of Minnesota, I went both ways. So when I ca- if I came off the field and uh I you know, I'm I turn around, I'm right next yeah. to the field. I gotta be in I like, I gotta be focusing on the game, what's going offense or defense. And when I was at when I was at the university I went both ways. In the pros is the same way, you know. I, you know, I played on, uh, most of the special team because we didn't have a 32 players in the, uh, in the NFL. So you went both ways, but I built, them. I centered the ball hmm. on punts, field goals, and stuff like that, and then played defense. I played, you know, kickoff return sometimes. Yeah. I played that. I, I, but the only, only thing I didn't play was a kick of, kickoffs, you know. Coach, yeah, I was too crazy.
1: To that, so. <laughs> that's pretty versatile but, as it is, Bobby. That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good uh, uh, diversity to your uh, your resume, to your football resume beyond uh, the the uh, the 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 Hall of Fame defensive performance. Let me ask you too. We're chatting with uh, former all time Gopher great Bobby Bell. Um, I- I've read a couple of interesting things that you've had to say about the passing of Sid, and of course that story broke. During the Vikings game a week ago, today actually, and there's been sort of an ongoing effort to pay homage to him and sort of put his significance into some kind of historical perspective. What, what's, what when people say the name Sid, what does that trigger in you? What, what does that make you think about?
0: You're talking about a you're talking about a person that a lot, a lot maybe a lot of people didn't realize, but Sid was a Funny straight shooting reporter. And the thing about Sid is that, uh, at first he didn't have no, I mean, against me, he didn't think that was the right deal for the coach woman to give me a scholarship. And, uh, Sid got, he, he, a man is, oh, God. She was just kind of like a dad to me. He, he turned out just kind of like a dad. He told me, he said, man, you have to earn the right for me to interview you. And that that point woke me up and go, okay, okay, that's what I got to do. And that's what I set out to be. My whole thing with the, the plan up in Minnesota and my whole life has been set behind that is that, you know, earn. You want people to respect you. And uh, I wanted to gain Sid Hartman respect. And he had he w- he wanted to interview me, and that's what I my goal was.
1: Do you remember? Like, you know, as you know, the the open joke here about Sid was what Sid held against you was the fact that you weren't born here. That was all the bit. Sid wanted every player to be from Minnesota and to stay in Minnesota tough. for the yeah. rest of their lives, or whatever the case may be. And you obviously weren't that, so for him it became the game of okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna resent who you not who you but what you represent because you're not one of us, so to speak. And do you remember the time when he it dawned on him? Well, this kid's a good player, man. This guy's this guy's serious about his, his football. Uh, do you remember how that when the whole relationship changed?
0: Well, the thing is that Sid, you know, when I when I I went up to him, you know, after I was there. I was a quarterback. I came up there as a quarterback, and then they switched me to offensive tackle. Sid wrote in the paper that, you know, they wasted a scholarship on me. And plus the fact, they said, here's a guy that plays six-man football. You never saw him play. I mean, why are you wasting that? You, we got kids in Minnesota and all that stuff. And I just kept on going. But when they switched me to tackle, I said, well, I'm going to play. I want, I'm not going back home. So I started playing. I worked my way up the ladder. As a tackle, and Sid wrote in the paper that no sophomore would start in the first two teams coming up my sophomore year. And I said, "Well, man," I told Bill Muncie, my roommate, "You know, is that hey, man, all right, man, we got, we got to start, we got to play, man." And Sid would never interview me. He would not talk to me. And I asked him one time. That's when he told me, "Hey, man, you have to earn the rights." me to talk to you and i said yes sir and i started playing and I, next thing i know i made it to the second team next thing i know i started my first game as a sophomore when the season started and i went to see it and i said Sid, i mean i see it came to me wanted to interview me mm-hmm. and i told him i said man you have to earn the right to talk to me and walk away from it. <laughs> you, you gotta know Sid, you know, that, yes. that really upset him. You don't wanna to talk to me. <laughs> and I just walked away. I you can't talk to me. And said from that point on, my sophomore year, you know, we was national champs. Yep. Went to the Rose Bowl and all that, you know, and Sid finally came up to me as before we got to the Rose Bowl and I I talked to him, interviewed him. He talked, you know. And from that day on, Sid was just like a, to me, a dad that I looked up to. You know, he made sure I'm doing the right thing, you know. He never would ask me, he, you know, he always asked me a question about school. Is everything, are you happy? It, you get into school work, you're class, you're going to school class. And he, that's what he to, always talked to me about. It. And a lot of people thought that, I mean, you know. He didn't say nothing about football. He just he was watching me play, but he would never admit it. And until years later, he never admitted that you know Bobby Bell, you know, is good back. He would tell my friends. I have close friends that he would talk to, and he'll tell him. He said, "Man, you know Bobby's all you know okay. He's all right, but I, but he's a great football player." And don't tell him I told you that. <laughs> and that's what he would do, you know. That sounds like Sid. I have, I have friends that told me, said, you know, see, we'll talk about you. But they told uh, them not to say anything to me about it, you know.
1: Is the story, Bobby, is the story true that uh, out at the Rose Bowl he saw you admiring uh, some clothing through a <laughs> store and that he said, hey, what do, you, what do you need? Tell me that story yeah. in, the, in the minute or two we have left.
0: Oh, yeah. The thing is, they, I was standing in one of these uh, little shop, expensive uh, shops there, you know, and had these nice sweaters in it too, and stuff. I'm standing there, and she had just walked up, you know, and looked at me. Bell, who are you looking at? I said, I'm looking in this shop. He's look at that sweater, man. I said, you think it would be I ever be a time I can afford to go in this place and buy me one of them sweaters like that? And Sid looked at me and said, What? I said he said, Come here. He took me in. Come here. I went, I said, I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money. He took me in there. He bought me a. he bought me a sweater. He said, That's he bought me that sweater. And it just blew me away. It just looked. and from that point on, you know, we're just like that. He, he checked on me, and made sure I'm going to class. He checked on me, make sure school, everything. Everything. I got tennis shoes. He looked down. and He goes, "Man, he, he, he made sure I had some tennis shoes to wear and stuff." I mean, he's he made sure that I was okay. And said it was that way from that point on until he passed away. He'll call me up. I mean, he would say, "Hey, I mean, Sid is the one that when I went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he's the one that brought my name up before Joe McDuff at the Kansas City Star." All right. He told he said he told uh, Joe McDuff said Joe, "What's the deal with Bobby Bill Hall?" He tells you before the Hall of Fame, he's out of football. He's great football. He did every. What's the deal? And Joe said, "Well." Oh, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. And Sid started talking in the group. You know how they they vote for yes. the things right. bring in? So Sid brought my name up and said, hey, Bobby Bell. And he started talking to Joe McDuff in the room, They said. <laughs> he was just talking, you know, like Bobby Bell and all that stuff. But for 15 or 20 minutes, he talked about me. And and everybody looked at him. And he said, well, what are you going to do? Joe said, well, all right. And he said, Well what you gonna say about it? He said, I don't need to say anything. Sid, you don't say it. And they took a vote. Everybody voted for me, except maybe one, I think, a one person out of the group. And I was the first chief Hall of Famer football player. I was the first chief Hall of Fame football player. I went in. And,
1: and Sid was I, and Sid I had a big part of it. it.
0: Yeah. yeah it was that was 37 years ago. Wow.
1: We are Unfortunately, Bobby, we are out of time. We're going to we'll do we'll definitely do it again. I really appreciate. It. I know we I got a little we got a little confused on our signals on the time. I'm I'm really uh grateful though that you you did find the time for us despite uh the fact that we kind of switched the time on you. So thanks again. Stay well and uh we're going to do our best to try to stay in touch with you because we always enjoy our conversations with you. Thank you, sir.
0: Well, thank you.
1: Bobby Bell, ladies and gentlemen, a big, big name, historic name from Golden Gopher history with some great Sid memories. I'm thinking about the shirt being bought, Brianne. The statute of limitations is run out. I don't think that's going to be an NCAA violation, given that took place a uh, half a century ago. But uh, that story has been told a couple of times as well. Thanks for your help, Brianne. Thanks for Mike Tice as well. Good conversation with him. Bumper to Bumper returns tomorrow beginning at uh, 3 o'clock, and it will be, I guess, Packer Week. I mean, they're going to play the game, we think. We'll talk then.